0: Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. We're going to talk today, and if you have your notes, I want you to take them out because I want to talk to you today about the seven deadly sins of relationships. The seven deadly sins of relationships. I am a firm believer that if you get better, your relationships will get better. And these are seven sins that we all deal with at certain times. And my desire for you is that you would evaluate your life, your relationship to see which one of these you can get better. And if you are single, this is the perfect time for you to evaluate your life and go, of these seven, which ones do I need to get out of my life so that I can have healthy friendships, a healthy connection with my family, a healthy future relationship. God wants us to get better. So we're going to look at his word and we're going to go through these seven pretty quickly. They're right there in your notes. I want you to take Take some notes today, write it down, it'll help you. Number one, we're gonna talk about selfishness. Selfishness, selfishness is one of the greatest sins in every relationship that we all deal with. Because there's no threat to a thriving relationship more than selfishness. Selfishness is what can I get, how can I have it my way, on my time, for my benefit. And after 12 plus years of marriage, I want you to know, selfishness is still what I battle in a relationship. It's still what we all battle at certain times. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching. I had the weekend where I was preaching in Chicago to a bunch of college students. It was a big opportunity. It was really cool. And so I was gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I'm flying back Monday morning. And so I hadn't seen the kids, been doing a lot of ministry. And, uh, and so I I um, had this guy call me while I was in Chicago. He goes to our Brandon location, and, and he calls me. He says, hey, Pastor Aaron, I just want you to know, um, on Monday night, it's the playoff game for the Bucks, and I just want you to know, I've got a, t- a, a ticket at my suite. You know, we have that whole suite. They have all the food. They have everything you ever want. Like, it's right there. It's all free. If you'll come with me, you can come with me, and I got a seat just for you. And I was all pumped. I'm like, God, you're, you're making a way when there seems to be no way. Come on, God. It's a miracle. So I call Katie and Katie's amazing. I mean, so, so awesome. And I call Katie. I said, hey, Katie, I said, I, hey, I just want you to know I fly in Monday, but Monday night I've been invited to go to the game. And she said, that's fine. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're following it because I thought that's fine Mint. it's fine. Let me help you guys. All right. that That's fine. That fu- that's fine means it's the furthest fun fine, ladies and gentlemen. So I, I want you to know, I, I came back on, on Monday and I was even feeling a little bit of the selfishness, A man, I should be around the family, I should be around it, and, and didn't get guilt tripped or anything and I was like, man, I, I probably should, should say no. So this is the part of the message that I wish I would tell you that I, as, as a pastor and as a Christian, killed my selfishness and called him up and said, hey, just want you to know, I can't make it, but I went to the game, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> And if you were at the game or you watched the game, you saw how bad it went. I want you to know, I think it was God punishing me. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. We all deal with selfishness. We all deal with it. It creeps up in all of our lives, how we live, what we do. Here's what it is. Write down your notes. Selfishness is a sickness that must be radically removed from any relationship for it to survive. So if you want your relationship to survive and you want to even thrive, you got to get selfishness out of it. Here's what the Bible says in in the book of Philippians chapter two. It says, do nothing, nothing. How you spend your weekend, what you do in your hobby, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, you value others above yourself. Now look at verse four. Not looking after your own interest, but each of you, the interest of others. Now this is hard in a relationship where our world is in today because everything's about treat yourself, take care of yourself, you're number one. And I'm telling you, it's not gonna ever work out for you. Whenever selfishness is involved in the relationship, it'll kill the relationship because we're, we're never more opposite of God than when we're selfish. Because, because, because God in his nature is so selfless. Let me tell you how we get over selfishness in our life. I gave you an answer for each of them. Here it is. We overcome selfishness by serving. Because that's what our verse said. It says we have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. And what was the attitude? Christ came to to serve. And I want you to know, if you want your relationships to be healthy, you want your family dynamic to be healthy, you want your small group to be healthy at church, you've got to learn how to serve one another. Here's a great question, it's not in your notes, but I would challenge you to write it down, to ask your spouse every single day this phrase, ready? How can I serve you today? What a great question to ask. What are you doing? You're setting the precedent that I exist to serve you in this moment to make it better for you. And if we'll live in an environment where we're not trying to get, we're trying to give, I'm telling you, God will meet our needs in that moment. Yeah. You want your relationship to thrive? You gotta rid the selfishness out of our out of your life. And there's moments I have to get before God in prayer and say, God, it's coming up again. Lord, it's there again. How do I get it out? I serve those around me. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. Yeah. Here's the second one. Here's your second sin in every relationship is unrealistic expectations. Yeah unrealistic expectations. This is so common where you look at this world that's, we're out there today and you have these unrealistic expectations. It's going to be so perfect. Every, everything's going to be awesome. we you know, it's just, it's so crazy. I, I'll meet with couples for pre-marriage counseling and I'll talk to them like, hey, so what do you think the future problems are going to be? And it's always like, nothing pastor we're just we're so in love i'm like well, what do y'all fight about nothing we just can't see anything wrong with each other i'm like i've known y'all for five minutes and i can tell you what's wrong with y'all already like everybody's got issues the problems are there there's going to be moments where it's tough and you have these these expectations i'm going to come home and the house is going to be cleaned perfectly every single day and it doesn't happen Expectations, like he—he's gonna—he's gonna gonna buy me flowers every day. He did it while we were dating. It's gonna happen, and it doesn't happen. We're gonna have sex every night. Oh, it's gonna be awesome when we get married. Good luck with that. (laughs) It's not reality. And what happens is, in our relationships, we have these unrealistic expectations, and then what you got is you got these expectations, and then you got reality here, and all that area in between there is called frustration. And you're living in frustration, and it's the reason why you're fighting so much. James actually describes it. Look how he says it. It's it's so incredible. He says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? That's a great question to ask because some of y'all, you're fighting all the time. So, what's the cause of it? He tells us, Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. So, why are you fighting all the time? Because there's a desire. There's, there's, a, there's a expectation, there's a passion you have, and it's not happening in your life. So what is it doing? You're fighting. You desire and you do not have, so you, you murder. Yeah. Now, <laughs> some of y'all, you've wanted to murder. <laughs> Don't actually murder your spouse, okay? Yeah. Amen. But here's what you're doing. You're murdering the joy of the relationship. Yeah. You're mur- murdering the peace in the relationship. Yes. There, there's no more fun in the relationship, why? Because there's so much unrealistic expectations that are out there. You covet, and you cannot obtain. And this is our life right now. I wrote down some top unrealistic expectations that I see common in relationships. Here's some of them. It's one is that my spouse is responsible for my happiness. You you go, man, they're they're responsible to make me happy. They're responsible to make my day. I'm telling you, that's an unrealistic expectation. Your spouse can barely control themselves. How in the world are they supposed to make your life better? Let me tell you, you got to own your own uh, growth. you got to own your own happiness. you got to own your own joy. Yeah. And, and listen, I'm determining to be happy with the life God's given me. I'm not de- waiting on you to make my life happy. So you got to fix that. Here's the other one. It's that my spouse knows my motives and my thoughts. Unrealistic expectation. This is, this is so... Let me help my brothers out in here today. Ladies, we don't know what you're thinking. We have no clue. And, and, and also, ladies, sometimes we're not thinking. We're not so when you ask us, what are you thinking about? And we say nothing. We're not lying. <laughs> There's just nothing in there to think about. Our motives aren't always wrong. Like you got, you got to get to a place and go, man, we, we don't know. We can't, we can't mind read. So it's an unrealistic expectation. You should have known I would feel this way. I, I don't know that. We don't know, we don't know that about each other. We got to talk about it. Here's the third one. My spouse and I can solve any problem. It's a huge one. Any problem, any problem that comes our way, it's us versus the world. We can do it. No, you can't. No, you can't. And that's why you have a pastor in your life. That's why you're part of a church community. And that's why you go to counseling, by the way. And even, even if it's checkups once in a while, you need to be a part of it. Why? Because there's some things that are bigger than you and you've gotta realize, man, we've got some issues that need to be worked out. One of the ways to, to take some really strong steps towards making it healthier in your relationship and getting some realistic expectations is you need to go to HXO, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of my, our favorite things we do every year where we have this moment and we put it all on one day to help with your schedules and to make sure we're gonna be at a church up the street in uh, North Tampa and I'm telling you, we're gonna pack it out. You're gonna learn and grow throughout the day, why? Because you need some other people, some voices to speak in your life. And we, we pipe in with, with the whole conference that's happening there in Dallas. It's some of the best communicators in the world. You don't want to miss it. And there's still spots and you need to sign up because I'm telling you, you need to get to a reality of, listen, there's frustrations in your marriage, but I'm telling you, you can overcome them. Here, here's what you under, have to understand. We overcome unrealistic expectations by, write it on your notes, by recognizing the limited nature of humans. Let me tell you, they're not God. They can't do everything. And you have to recognize the limitless nature of our God. Amen. So when you go to them thinking they're going to solve all, the, all your problems, you're going to the wrong person. You're going to the wrong thing. You don't go to them to solve all your problems. You go to him to solve all your problems. They will let you down. He will never let you down. Yeah. They have limits. He has no limits. Can we give him a little praise that he's the God yeah. that can meet us no matter what we're going through today? <laughs> Number three, are you still with me? Say Yes. Yeah. Number three, the third sin in every relationship is uh, secrecy. Yep. Secrecy. Secrecy destroys relationships because relationships are built on trust. That's right. And when trust is ruined, the relationship is ruined. And you have to get to a place to understand that God created us in marriage, for for marriage, in this moment of marriage, as one man and one woman to be totally vulnerable with each other, totally real with each other. So when you live in secrecy, what happens is now you're not bringing your full self to that relationship. And there's things that are hidden in there that'll end up tanking the relationship in the future. When God created um, Adam and Eve, I preached on it last week, Genesis chapter two, it says it like this, and Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. How, how do they feel no shame? Because this is, this is marriage. Marriage is you're totally vulnerable with someone and you have no shame in your vulnerability. Yeah. And the enemy, one of his great tactics in a relationship is to implement shame into that relationship. Because here's what: once you feel shameful in front of your spouse, here's what you do. You start pulling away from your spouse. And then when you start feeling shameful, you start getting secretive and you start hiding stuff. And when you start hiding stuff, let me tell you, the enemy's already got you half beat right there. Let me just say it this way. And it, it might be strong, but I want you to get it. Secrets don't protect a relationship. They sabotage it. So good. They sabotage it. And what happens is, is people think because they're in this secret life or they got this secret addiction or this secret, you know, thing in their life, they don't want to bring it into their relationship because they think, oh man, I I don't want to hurt this person if they knew. But let me tell you, they're eventually going to know. And they're gonna know, and when they know, here's what, because this has happened dozens of times in my office, and I want your attention for just a second. What's happened is the person has come to the office, and it was the affair was found out about the addiction of pornography, the addiction to some kind of drugs, the, the misuse of money, and more than the sin of those things, the hurt that's caused is Amen. not the sin; it's the secrecy. Amen. It's the idea going. I wish you would have told me you were being tempted with this. Then we could have walked through this. I wish you would have told me you were battling this because then I could have helped you, but you decided to keep it secret. And because it was secret, now there's deception involved. And when there's deception involved, it's hard to build a relationship when there's no foundation of trust. That's why Ephesians says it this way. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead you expose them. So when you're frustrated, when you're living in a place where, where you're just going, uh, it's frustrating. It, 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 it's hurtful. It's, it's, it's an attack. It's, it's something in private. Here's what i to do. I'm going to expose it. I'm going to bring it to the surface. Look what it says. For it is disca- disgraceful even to speak of things which are done by them in secret. So you've got to understand this. This is so crucial. So how do we overcome secrecy? We overcome secrecy by being vulnerable. By being vulnerable. So one of the best things you're going to do in your relationships and your friendships is be vulnerable, appropriately vulnerable, meaning you don't have to be vulnerable with the whole world. Like you don't have to post it on Facebook, okay, ladies and gentlemen, yes. let me help you with that. But you need to be vulnerable, vulnerable in your marriage. Men, it's okay to tell your wife, I'm struggling. Yeah. I need some help. Pray with me about this. We'll talk about that even more in the next couple of weeks. It, women, it's okay to be vulnerable with your with your husband. Say, listen, I, I, I'm dealing with this. I need some help in this area. We get vulnerable. Vulnerability actually brings intimacy in our rel- relationship because now, now we can be real and we see who they really are and that in place and beauty is without any shame and we can actually work together on being who God's called us to be. Amen. And by the way, and you can also have that in your relationship, but you also have that vulnerability with the church community. That's why we have each other. And if you don't have any relationships and any friendships, let me tell you, you can find them here at Radiant Church. One of the best places to find them is in our Radiant groups, ladies and gentlemen. And they launch today so last week with signups we still have some group spots available if you've not done foundations you need to do foundations we will work on getting you in a group but I'm telling you in groups is where you're going to be able to find one or two people where you can be vulnerable with them so that you can get the secrets out of your life to be all that God's called you to be because here's why because you'll always be as sick as your secrets you'll always be as sick as your secrets So you want to walk in health, what does the scripture say? It says, confess your sins one towards another and you'll be healed. You want to walk in health? you got to have some people in your life you can be vulnerable with. Number four, we're moving through them. The fourth deadly sin in every relationship is negative speech. Negative speech. Katie and I had a funny experience. It was was a bizarre experience. The very first year of the church, there's a couple that started coming to the church and they're not here anymore anymore. not like, they're on the planet. They're just not at Radiant anymore, okay? So they, uh, they, it was, it was the most awkward dinner we've ever been invited to. So we used to get invited to dinners all the time and new people in the church, we show up. We were so desperate, like, please come to our church. So this couple invited <laughs> us over and we show up and within a matter of like a minute, they start belittling each other in front of us. Like it was bizarre. And, you know, he can't keep a job and she's put on weight and he doesn't, you know, he sleeps in all the time and she's on her phone too much. And we're sitting there. It was an hour and a half dinner, the most awkward dinner of our life where Katie and I are just eating, just like watching them just destroy each other. And we got in the car and we, 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 I said two things that were crucial in that moment. I got in the car and I said, first of all, Katie, we will never speak negative about each other in front of anybody else. Like, to, I don't understand how anybody thinks they can have a positive relationship with negative speech. You just can't have it. You can't have it. God will never bless a negative um, tongue that way. And then the second thing is, I said to her, I said, there's no way that relationship's gonna survive. And it didn't survive. Right. Why? Because you cannot speak down to someone and expect the relationship to go up. Amen. That's why Proverbs says, "Whoever guards his, uh, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life you can take that L and change it to a W right there. Preserves his wife right there. (laughs) You, You wanna have a healthy relationship, you gotta put, guard your mouth. Whoever opens wide his lips comes to, look at that phrase right there, ruin. You wanna ruin your relationship with your kids? You wanna ruin your relationship with your family, with your friends? Then say everything you think about saying. Because let me tell you, it'll destroy your relationships. You're like, well, I'm just going to give you a piece of my mind. That's not the piece of your mind that we want to hear. <laughs> well, I just got to get this off my chest. You don't need to get it off your chest. Let me tell you, it'll destroy the relationships you're in. Here's the issue. The issue is this, is that many times those who are closest to us get the worst of us. Amen. So the way I talk to you or, you're, you know, I see you around town and the way, the way I talk to you is never the way I'll talk to my kids when I'm frustrated and angry. And why? Because there's a distance. And it's sad to me in my relationships that those who are closest to me get to see the worst of my language, get to see the worst of the words that come out of my mouth. And it shouldn't be the case. I need to guard my relationships by guarding the words that come out of my mouth. Uh, Paul says it this way. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now this is gonna be convicting and I've heard it throughout the whole day today because this is the place where, where most of us are failing. Don't let it come out of your mouths. Only speak what is helpful for building others up. According to, and I want you to get this, their needs. So like if you have to start the conversation with, I just need to say this. (laughs) That's not their needs, that's your needs. So whenever you feel like you need to just say it, here's what I'm gonna challenge you to do, ready? Say it to God, (laughs) say it to God. Get it off your chest and give it to God. God can deal with your venting. Your spouse and your friends can't. Amen. Because why? Your words have unbelievable power over their life. Yes. So you got to be very careful. He says, building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So I want our words to benefit those around us. I want to always be speaking life. I want to always speak life over my, my wife. I want to always speak life over my kids, over my friendships. I always want to be the encourager. You have to to learn that your words really, really matter and they're very, very powerful. Here, here's why, and this is an Aaron Burke phrase I've said for years, but I want you to get it. People tend to become what the most important people in their life say they can become. Yes. So, if you want the people in your life to prosper and thrive, then you need to speak it over their life. Amen. You need to speak it over your kids. You need to speak encouragement. That doesn't mean we avoid hard conversations. It means we do it with grace. It means we do it when we thought through it. So how do we overcome negative speech? Write it down. We overcome negative speech by choosing our words wisely. So we're not going to speak just random words that come out of our mouth. No, we're going to be very careful about what we say. And I'm telling you, there's been moments where I've been in a heated argument. And Katie and I, we're going back and forth. And I finally said, oh, Aaron, don't say that. Don't say that. And then sometimes I've said it, and I was like, that was stupid. <laughs> You've had that moment, right? Guard your mouth. Guard your mouth. A deadly sin to every relationship is our negative speech. Number five, let's keep going, comparison. Comparison. Comparison is such a root, rooted issue that kills the joy in our relationships. Because what you're doing when you compare your relationship with other people's relationship, what you're doing is you're comparing your behind the scenes, your reality, with their really highlight reel that they present on social media. And I want you to know, as their pastor, as, as the person that gets to see the behind the scenes, it's all fake. So when you look at their life and you go, oh, they're so perfect, it's edited, ladies and gentlemen. It's edited. I, Katie and I get so frustrated because we'll watch some, you know, some people online or some influencers or some pastors or leaders and they'll be doing like a devotion or something in their house. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, their house is so clean. Y'all ever do that? You're watching the video but you're looking at the decor behind them and you're like, it's so clean. It's so amazing. We will we, we'll clean our house. I'm telling you, this is just the Burke family. Let me just be vulnerable. We'll clean our house and within like three minutes, the whole house is destroyed again. We got five kids and they're like tornadoes in every single room. Now we have a demonic dog and the dog destroys everything. Pray for us. We've had people reach out to us, they'll do it. I'll put a video on social media, Katie and I, you know we're in front of our fireplace and we're we're talking, we're giving a devotion or some encouragement. And people will write me, they'll write me on Instagram and be like, oh my gosh, your house is so perfect. And I just wanna say, if we just turn the, the, the camera just a little degree, you would see chaos all around. Stop comparing. Paul says it this way to the church in Galatia. He says, each one of you should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to somebody else. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. You run your race. You be satisfied with your portion. You be happy with what God has given you. You, you, As Paul says, you carry your own load of what God has given you in your life. Here's some comparison that you need to rid out of your life. The first one is comparison with other couples. Look how he treats her. Look how she, she walks by him. Oh, why don't you do that? They got issues. I promise you. They got lots of issues. So stop comparing yourself and your relationship with other couples. Katie and I ridded that out of our lives. We'll never compare ourselves ever. Marriages, other people will will never say, well, look how he talks to her. You don't talk to me that way. No, 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 we don't ever do that. Why? Because we're not in that relationship. We don't know the behind the scenes of that relationship. So we're going to be happy with what God has given us. Here's another one. Comparing with your upbringing. My mama used to cook it this way. You don't cook it right. My daddy used to do this. He, he never He never played golf and was gone. You play golf ah. it's, it's just unhealthy it, 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 don't compare upbringings here's another one don 't compare with your spouse like like I, I work harder than you. Yeah. I hear this phrase a lot from couples. I just care more than them. Huh. you don 't know that yeah, it 's a, it's a toxic thing to say in a relationship. Yes. I know this isn 't the preachy message you wanted to hear today, but it, it, let me tell you we got to get real about making our relationships right. Get the comparison out of it. Here's the last one. It's just comparison with your past. We glorify the past so much. When we were dating, you did this, 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 this. Well, move on. We got multiple kids now. We we both had jobs back then and we're making a lot of money. Now we're broke, all right? We're just happy with what God's doing right now. So how do we overcome? We overcome comparison by living in gratitude. We're grateful. And every time I want to compare, I want to compare my life. I want to compare my friends. I want to compare my family. I want to compare, compare my kids with other people's kids. and well, I want to compare my spouse with other people's spouse. I just go, no, I am grateful of what God has given me. I didn't deserve what I got, but I'm grateful for it. But by the grace of God, I've been given what I've been given. Can we give them some praise and just say, well, we're thankful for it. Some of y'all, the best thing you're going to do is just write out some thank you list of all the things that God's been good in your life. It'll change how you look at your spouse because now you're not starting with a deficit of how they could do everything wrong. You're starting with an advantage of, man, thank God for them already. It's a big deal. Number six, another deadly sin of every relationship is fighting dirty. Fighting dirty. Some of y'all just don't know how to argue. And, And let me tell you, arguing is normal. I wrote it down this way. All relationships have conflict. You don't have conflict, like you're missing out on a lot of fun, okay? So, all relationships have conflict. But healthy relationships know how to resolve conflict in the right way. And you've got to learn how to resolve conflict in the right way. So, you've got to put in some parameters in place to resolve conflict. Let me tell you what some that are not healthy. Ready? The silent treatment, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's not just, I'm not going to talk to him. He, he doesn't deserve me to talk to him, or she doesn't deserve me to talk to him. No. No, we're, we're not going to do the silent treatment. I, I taught people years ago in one of these marriage series. I taught them on, uh, I'm taking a timeout. You know, hey, just, just take a few minutes when you're going to say something wrong, just go into another room, take a timeout, and then come back together. So I taught it on a Sunday. I just didn't give the parameters that I should have. Then the next week, a, a lady came up to me and she said, you need to talk to my husband. I said, what? What's wrong? She's like, he called a timeout last Sunday and hadn't talked to me since. I said, that's not healthy, Okay. The silent is not healthy. Here's another one, bringing up the past. You made this mistake it lasts in 2013 and 2018 and 2020. And then you bring up, like you bring out the list. Yeah, that's cool. Let me tell you, love covers a multitude of wrongs. Remember their sins no more. You have to get to a place of going, okay, I remember that was the past. I'm moving on. I'm not going to bring up the past to try to win an argument right now. Here's another one. This is the one I do all the time, and Katie calls me out on it, is um, extreme statements. Always, oh, yeah. never. It's not healthy in a relationship. So I'll tell Katie, I'll, I'll be in an argument. Katie, you never do this. And she's like, I did that last week. <laughs> well, other than last week, you never do this. <laughs> Here's the last one. Ready? It's an outside involvement with friends and family. Oh, that's good. Let me tell you, if they're not a professional and they're not a counselor or they're not a pastor in your life, then don't involve them into your, your business. To me, I found it's very weird how much people connect their families with their own arguments. And they're calling mama and they're calling daddy. I'm like, y'all have been married for 10 years. You need to deal with your issues. Wow. And and here's why it's a problem. Here's why Katie and I have made it a decision. Like, if we're gonna talk to a professional and we do. And we we talk to our pastors and we do. But but when it comes to our family I'm not going to talk to my my siblings about her and what we're fighting about. I'm not going to talk to my parents about it. Because here's why. Because me and Katie will be fine and our relationship will move on into health. And then they're going to remember all those things about them. it'll It'll mess up their view of your spouse, of your relationship. So just don't involve them. It's just a healthy way. All right, one quick verse. We're almost done. James says it this way. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So, so, so and some of y'all are fighting dirty because you're just fast. Again. Ah, I want to tell them everything I want to tell them. No, 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 slow down, slow down. So we overcome fighting dirty by doing this. Here's why. By attacking problems instead of attacking people. Amen. A lot of people, they get into this world and your, your arguments are always attacking, attacking people. It's, it's, you don't care about me. That's attacking a person. Attacking the problem would be, hey, we need to talk about how we can prioritize each other better. Do you see the difference? Just, yeah. just small tweaks in wording. One attacks a person. One attacks the problem. Here, here, you're a manipulator. That's attacking a person. Hey, help me understand your motives. That's attacking a problem. Does that make sense? Yes. You can't cook. That's attacking a person. Let's order Uber Eats. That's attacking <laughs> the problem. Come on, somebody. There's a solution for it. Come on. <laughs> Y'all still with me? Y'all learning something today? Number seven, and we'll close with this one it's here's the seventh deadly sin in every relationship and this one should have been first here it is ready it's putting each other first Amen. you go what well, that doesn't make any sense Aaron isn't that the key to every healthy relationship is there before you yeah but look at the phrase I just said It's that they're first in your life and the bible calls this idolatry because a relationship will never thrive with anyone first other than God So Katie, who means the world to me, I'm so grateful for our marriage. I'm so grateful for our kids. I'm so grateful for our church. She's not number one in my life. God is. And I'm telling you, I'm able to be a better husband because God's number one in my life. I'm a better father because God's number one in my life. So listen, when God is first, and I've taught you all this so many times, the rest of your life is blessed. So he's first in your week. That's why you're at church right now. And the rest of your week's going to be blessed. He's first in your finances. That's why we tithe. That's why the rest of your finances are blessed. He's first in your day. That's why you give your devotional time to him in the morning. The rest of your day is blessed. And I'm telling you, when he's first in your relationships and he's the number one relationship in your life, the rest of your relationships are blessed. You got to put God first in your life. That's why Genesis 1-1, the whole Bible starts out with this phrase, in the beginning, God. Because everything that is healthy starts with God as the beginning. Every single thing in your life. So you want God to bless your life? Put him first in your life. Here's, here's why. Ready? Because unless the Lord builds the house, the builders, they labor in vain. So you, you, I can give you 18 steps to a better marriage. None of them matter if God's not first in your life. Amen. I can give you all the tricks and conflict resolution. None of it matters if God's not the foundation of your marriage. So that's why God's first. So how do we overcome idolatry in our life? We overcome it by prioritizing our own personal relationship with Christ. Katie and I are not perfect. But I'm telling you, we got a perfect strategy. It's let's both just pursue Jesus as much as we can. And God's first in our life. And then my marriage is second. Radiant, I need to remind you that. My marriage is second. Not you and not my kids. I'm going to prioritize my marriage. And then all those other relationships happen after that. But God's got to be first. Do you receive the word from God today? Amen. Amen. I want you to take a look at that list as we close out today's message. I want you to look at those seven items. What is the seven, the seven, what is the sin on that seven daily list sins that you're dealing with right now? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about? I want you to take about 15 seconds. I want you to highlight one of them. Maybe circle it. What's the one that you need to improve on? What's the one you need to get better? I'm going to pray for you before we go today. Because this is a moment for us to get real. Maybe it's the conversation you're going to have on the drive home today. Because you're going to go, okay, what is it in your life? What can we get better about? Why? because we constantly want to get better. And as we get better, our relationships get better. So you got it? You got it in your mind? Let's submit it to the Lord. Lord, right now, we pray across Tampa Bay right now for those who are struggling, those who, we all have got one of those sins in our life. So I pray that we would confess our sins to you. We pray right now as we confess the issues of idolatry, where other things are before you. When we confess that we don't know how to fight right and we confess when we, we were dealing with comparison or we're dealing with unrealistic expectations or we're, issues in our life that are so real. We confess it and we just give it to you. And just ask the Lord right now, say, God, help me get better. God, help me get better. I, I can't change my spouse. I can't change my friends, but help me get better. Come on, ask him right now. Holy Spirit, do it deep in our life. Do a deep work in each of our lives. And as we get better, we thank you, God, that every other area of our life is gonna get better. In Jesus' name. With every eye closed, every head bowed, One last group before we go today. is those who do not have a relationship with Christ. I want you to know God loves you. Has a plan for your life. It's our sin. Our sin not just ruins our relationships here on the earth. It it ruins our relationship with God. So what do we do about our sin? We can't work our way out of it. We can't strive our way out of it. We can't give our way out of it. We have to surrender to Christ. That's why Jesus came. He came 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life, died a horrific death for your sins. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later. Conquering death, hell, and the grave so that we can be victorious. But now it's your opportunity to give your life to Christ. Across all of our campuses right now, if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up and say, today's my day, Aaron. Today's my day to give my life to Christ. God's, God has a plan for your life. Somebody's been praying for you to have this moment right now. And this is your day to say yes to Christ. One, on the count of three, throw the hand up. Two, don't, don't be ashamed. Be bold. Ready? Three, if that's you, throw the hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dozens of people right here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What an amazing day. Thank you at all of our campuses. Come on, wave it at me. Put it right back down. Thank you. Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud together. Say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my sin. Forgive me. Forgive my past, my present, and my future. For the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you. You are my Lord, and you are my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, can we celebrate those who just made the best decision ever? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.